Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. Things I do to feel young, they only make me but you're but I'm going to invite you to get out a Bible or turn one on. If you, if you don't have a Bible at home, you would be able to follow and would like to follow along. There, there are Bible apps like YouVersion. Search Bible in the App Store or Google Play and it will show up. Um, or websites like BibleGateway.com will allow you to be in the Bible even if you don't have one at home. But I'm going to invite you to join me in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, starting at verse 36. This week, and for the next few weeks, we are going to be uh, looking at a series called Through Death to Life, where we'll be looking at some key moments and journeys that Jesus had through the last days of his life, culminating in our Good Friday service, where we will see the Jesus passing through death, and then we'll have our Easter service, where we will celebrate what takes place after the grave, as Jesus passes through death into life. And then, uh, but for the next, our next four times together, we will be journeying with Jesus from the garden to the grave. And I think that as we look at this portion of the story, what we're going to look at today is really important and timely, not, not just because it's Easter season, not just because we're four weeks away from Easter, but because it's going to say something about what we're doing right now with all of the craziness and all of the weirdness that we're facing and dealing with right now. And it's going to say something to us as a church and call us to be about something as the church. Now, just before we jump into our text this morning, I want to just interject a little bit of context for you. Jesus and his disciples have just had what we would call the Last Supper, where they gathered together and shared this meal, and Jesus has unpacked for them all kinds of things that's going to happen, and they had communion and, and all kinds of things. And then when they leave the upper room where they shared this meal, they've made their way over to what, to, to what scriptural references, the Mount of Olives. And over the course of, of this Right now and over the last couple of weeks of Jesus' life, Jesus has been trying to get the disciples to understand what's going to happen and, and when it's going to happen, that Jesus is going to die. Now, even in the supper they shared, Jesus uses this illustration, these visual aids, bread and wine, to try to get them to fully understand what's going to take place. Now, right now, before this, Jesus has again told his disciples he's going to die and they're all going to leave him. But Peter initially, and then all the other disciples, pound their chests and they say, no way, Jesus, not us, never. Even if we have to die, Jesus, we're with you. And Jesus tells Peter specifically, actually, tonight, before this night is over, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. But Peter stands firm, and he says, no way, that is not going to happen. Then Jesus and his disciples keep moving, and in verse 36, it tells us that they head to a garden called Gethsemane. And it says in verse 36, 
Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Now, now this is a famous spot. Even non, even people who aren't Christians may have some kind of familiarity with the name Gethsemane. It's an iconic spot. There are defining moments in the story of Christianity. Jesus' death is one of them. His resurrection is one of them. What happened at Pentecost is one of them. And what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane is right alongside with these other events as pivotal events <coughs> Excuse me, in the story of Jesus. This story is right up there with those because this story reveals something to us with how we see Jesus. So that without our understanding that comes from Jesus in this story, our understanding of Jesus and his sacrifice would be incomplete. Gethsemane is, is essentially an olive grove. It, it's a quiet orchard full of olive trees. And this is the scene where our story takes place. So Jesus and his disciples have come to the garden. They walk into this orchard. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now Jesus had done this before lots of times, withdrawn himself to pray and be alone. But Jesus tells his disciples to, to stay here and, and, and I'm going to go over there and pray. But he grabs three people with him. He grabs three of his closest friends and disciples to come with him. It says he, he took Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, along with him. The two sons of Zebedee were, were James and John. James, John, and, and, and Peter were the three fishermen that Jesus called at the beginning of his ministry. And he took Peter and, and these guys with him and he begins to be sorrowful and troubled. Different translations will use here, or use different words here for the emotions that Jesus was experiencing. Sorrowful, troubled. Other versions may th say things like distressed or agitated. Essentially, what we can see here to put in our terms of understanding of what's happening here is we see the beginning of essentially Jesus having a panic attack. A panic attack. I I'm not joking. Jesus begins to break. He is sorrowful. He is stressed. He's agitated. And, and he says to his three closest friends, he says to them in verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He tells his friends, I'm overwhelmed to the point where I feel like I'm going to die. And he asks them, just please, just, just stay with me and, and be here with me. Now we've seen Jesus in every single story, at every single point, up until right here and now, be a rock. He's confident. He's calm. He's composed. Even when he was upset, he was confident, he was composed, he never let his anger overtake him. But this is the first time where we see Jesus beginning to crack, beginning to fall apart, beginning to crumble. It's in the middle of the night, he's here with his closest friends, and he begins to come unglued. Now, this can be a really tough way to understand and to see Jesus. Because we don't want to see Jesus like this. And it's probably even uncomfortable to listen to because we don't want to see Jesus like this. We don't want to talk about Jesus like this. This isn't who we want Jesus to be. And this is not how we like to talk about Jesus. It can almost seem on some level sacrilegious. 
But here Jesus is, falling to pieces. My soul is overwhelmed even until the point of death. Jesus' heart and his soul are breaking, and he's here with his friends, and he doesn't want them to do anything other than just stay awake and be there with him. And, and that's all he asks for. Just, just be here with me. What a great picture for us as a church family in, at this time. Let, let us not be there for each other physically. But let us be there for each other in text. Let us be there for each other in email. Let us be there for each other in a phone call. Be there in spirit. Be there in prayer. Contact each other. Be there. It doesn't have to be sometimes the biggest thing, but sometimes there's so much value in the little things. But let us not take this time and fall asleep on one another. But let's be awake for each other. Let's be there for each other. He says to them, don't go anywhere. I need you to stay awake and and be there for me. Jesus asks his closest disciples and his friends this. And then Jesus moves a little further away on his own. Verse 39 says, going a little further, he went with his face, or he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. I don't know if you have ever done this, but my guess is recently, that some of us have certainly felt like perhaps we needed to do this. But the picture here is, is someone whose body has just given out. He's overwhelmed. The fear, the grief, the pressure is all taking its toll physically on him. It, it doesn't say he laid down. It doesn't say he got down on his knees. It says he fell down with his face on the ground. And Jesus begins to pray, and he prays this, My Father, if it's possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So I want to pause for a moment and think, consider, and ponder, what is Jesus doing here? Jesus, in his darkest, most desperate moment of his life, he's breaking down emotionally and physically. He's having a panic attack. Listen, is it news to Jesus that he's going to die? No. He's been telling his disciples this again and again and again for a while now. What is happening is not news to Jesus. He isn't learning a new fact about God's will. But what we're seeing here, what we're watching here, is the most incredible, deeply moving, desperate picture of Jesus' humanity. We are watching the humanity of Jesus. We are watching his emotions unravel. And his will and his emotions are catching up with his brain. He isn't learning a new fact about God's will, but he's coming to terms with what is happening and all that's about to happen to him right now. And in this moment, it's all becoming really real and really imminent. He's struggling with what is about to come next. And he says to his father, Dad, if there's any other way that we can do this, maybe, maybe we could figure out something else really quick. What, plan B, a contingency plan. And he says, this is what I want. I want this to happen in another way. I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want to do this. I don't want to experience this. But... That's not the full extent of what Jesus said. 
He says, what I want is not to do this, but listen to this. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus reminds himself, this isn't about what I want. Ultimately, my life isn't about what I want. And for one hour, he is on his face, crying and weeping, struggling with what he is facing, what he knows that he needs to do, and how he feels about it. And he pulls himself back together for a moment, and he gets up and he walks back to where he left his closest friends. Verse 40 says, then he, he returned to his disciples. He returns to his closest friends. And, and what are they doing? He returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? And then he turns to Peter and he says in Peter verse, in verse 21, watch, or verse 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says to Peter, yeesh, man. You need to be on your face too because tonight your trial is coming. You need to be praying too. Of all people, Peter, you need to be praying. And then Jesus goes back to pray again. Verse 42 says, He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken from me, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Now, this prayer is almost the same as the first one, but it's not the same. They're different, and the difference is really significant. The first time, if it is possible, I don't want to do this. Please take this cup away from me. But the second time of the prayer, he's moved forward. It's, it's not possible for me to avoid this, is it? Okay, may your will be done. You can see this. Jesus is beginning to reckon with his emotions, reckon with his calling, and he's coming to terms with it. And so he spends some more time in prayer, and he comes back to his friends, and he finds Peter and the others. And it's verse 43 says, When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They began sleeping. And the Bible says, because their eyes were heavy. What a, what a funny, weird little detail. But it shows us something. Last time Jesus spoke to them, he said, your flesh is weak. And here, their eyes were heavy. So rather than walking up to the disciples, he goes, or waking up the disciples, he goes again and he goes to pray. So he left them and went once more and prayed to them a third time, saying the same thing. A third time he, he goes to pray. Understand here now this is Jesus, the same confident, calm Jesus that is in his darkest night. He's a broken man. He is facing the human condition. He is facing all that he is. He isn't learning anything new, but his emotions are catching up to his brain. And this is why the story is so important. Because there is the Jesus... Because there is the Jesus who gives his life for us. There is the Jesus who victoriously conquers death and sin on our behalf. But then there's this Jesus. This weak, frail Jesus. In his greatest moment of fear and confusion and pain. 
And the unbelievable power of this story is that Jesus, Jesus who is God, God became human. God didn't become like a human. Here we see that God really became fully human. And he joins with us in our dark nights of the soul that we see God, that Jesus joins us in these moments, in these moments where your world is unraveling and your prayers hit the ceiling and you're convinced no one is listening and that nobody cares and everyone in your life is falling asleep on you. Some of us are there right now. So much fear, so much confusion, so much worry. But the power of this story is is not that Jesus is there with you. It's that when you're in these moments, you are with Jesus. It's not that Jesus joins us, but we join Jesus who is already there. Did you hear that? Jesus is no stranger to the utter fear and pain of the human condition. He knows it. And I would say that he knows it to a degree and a depth that we never will. And, as, and so as much as all the ways that we think about Jesus are true and real and really Jesus, this is also Jesus. He knows you. He knows your story. He's been there. But he moves through it. And he doesn't give in and he doesn't give up. And look at this, look at the Jesus who returns from the third prayer. Verse 45 says, Then then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, Are you sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. It's time to get up. It's time to wake up. Here comes Judas. It's time to meet the moment. And that is the calm, confident, resolute Jesus we know once again. You see, it's not that Jesus didn't have moments of doubt or struggle or fear, but it's through these moments that Jesus is brought back to being calm and confident once more. So I want to encourage you as we face all that we're facing in the world today, I want you to, I want to invite you to take comfort in the story of Jesus, in the life of Jesus. Find encouragement in the story of Easter. Find encouragement that you are not a failure or weak or bad or unfaithful or unchristian because you may be feeling fear, worry, stress, or overwhelmed. But I want to invite you to rest right now in the knowledge that Jesus faced each and every one of those things. And to be excited because what we just watched was that Jesus, in the presence of his Father, made it from one end of this emotional journey all the way through everything to the other end, ready for what's next. And the promise that we have is that that the same God will do the same thing for us. Whatever your emotions are right now, Jesus is going to meet you there. He's going to walk with you through all that goes on, your struggle, your fear, others letting you down and sleeping on you. He is going to be right there walking with you to see you safely to the other side. It's time for the sleeper to wake. Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus.
And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at csairdrie. And on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together as family we go. Let the King of Glory
Let the light in. Let the light in. Let the light in.